0: you know how sometimes you go through uh, days or weeks and it's amazing and it's great and everything's coming together and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm flying. And then slowly, slowly, like a funk will set in and you're like, oh, go away. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then you realise like the funk is not going anywhere and it's becoming stagnant and heavy. And you're like, oh, this feels rubbish. Like it's rubbish. And you can kind of tell yourself that like, oh, it's got nothing to do with anything. Like it is what it is. It is what it is. And you can kind of deny that reality or you can try and accept the reality that when it comes to grief, you're boring. Are we talk about that again? Yeah, we are actually. When it comes to grief, It's not that the grief gets easier, or that it gets smaller, or that it goes away. It's that the grief is still the same size and still very real and very there, but more shit happens around it, that you're distracted for long enough, (laughs) that you increase your capacity for joy and adventure and having good feelings and good emotions. However, there are certain times a year that will bring you right back to that place, and That can be anniversaries, it can be Christmas, and it can be birthdays. And today would have been my mum's 71st birthday if she was here. So today, I'd like to talk about that. Welcome to today's episode of Do Do Do! Famous with a Baby! There is a lot of truth in saying the body keeps the score. There is so much truth in how even if mentally you think, I can handle this, I'm good, like, it's not that, I'm over it, like, I've moved on, it's fine that your body kind of holds on to rituals. This is why we have birthdays. This is what I this is what I learned the most actually when I when I when my mom passed away is the need for rituals. Like there was a need for a funeral. There was a need we celebrate birth. There was a need we celebrate like a, joining a union of people coming together. Like these rituals are important because they kind of embody us in the fabric of our society, in the calendar of our lives. They're pinpoints in the calendar of our lives that are intrinsic and pivotal to how our lives change and move forward. And they should be celebrated. They should absolutely be celebrated. And when somebody does pass away, and when I was younger... I used to always see people talk about their dead mum or their dead dad or the dead brother or the dead sister and they'd mention them long after they died. And I was like, why are you still talking about it? Like, I don't get it. And I know there'll be people that feeling like that. And it's not, it, I hope you never get it, <laughs> but you will have to get it one day because everybody has to get it one day. And the reason we still talk about them is because they mean so much that time fucking is nothing. Like time can literally, you can literally be taken back to a place like it was yesterday. And it can be one year later, five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later. It's just the way love fucking works. And actually what is important is to keep communicating and keep talking about it. But find your tribe and find your people to do that. And allow emotions that come up and allow what happens to to trigger you. So if we're seeing images of great suffering and and, um, injustices that can be very triggering. It can be very difficult to navigate a world that feels so cruel when you already feel like the world is cruel, because the world can be incredibly, incredibly cruel. Right? We know these things. But the important thing that we must do is to keep having conversations and open dialogue, in my perspective. So like today, for example, today is my mum's birthday and I wanted to record this podcast. I tried to do it yesterday and I was too sad yesterday. I was too sad and I was like, I'm not going to record a podcast when I'm like sad like this. Like it's just not, it's not what I want to do. Like this is my personal journey and everybody's personal journey with grief is theirs and it is valid. And nobody can tell you that you are or are not grieving correctly. Like that is nobody's job. So if this podcast isn't for you, switch it off fuck off, don't listen to it, you don't need to. But if it is something that you've experienced lately, it is nobody's job to tell you how to get. I remember when, back in the early days, somebody said to me, oh, you should listen to this grief podcast. There's this famous grief podcast. I think you'd really like it. Like, you should do it. Like, you should listen to it. It's really interesting. And I turned on an episode, and I happened to know two of the people that were talking. Like, I happened to know them, right? And I turned on, like, looking for some comfort. And they started talking about how they knew this woman who uh, was losing a parent and was grieving very uh, publicly online and it was like uncomfortable for them or whatever or like they didn't, one of the guests didn't agree with that way of doing things. I don't, I don't know if they were talking about me or not. Like, I don't know what, who they were talking about or where they were talking about. All I know is that in that moment, I felt immediately even more isolated and more alone and more like i have been run over by a truck than I already had been. And actually, the people that were like, this is healthy. This is good. You need to get this out. They were the people that helped me move forward and move and feel better. And you will feel better. Like, life will be great again. Like there'll be moments in life where it's fucking great again. But especially when it comes up to dates like Christmas, I think Christmas can be a very triggering time. It can be a very difficult time because Christmas is a point point in a time that we save for family, that we save for routine, that we save for coming together, that we save for, you know, being together, doing things together. And it's how our traditions are formed. And the idea of Christmas should be that you celebrate it with your family and have like a really fun time. And it's, the irony is, Christmas for me, what I found was always really stressful. <laughs> Like everyone just pickered, but like, it was great. That was part of the routine. And so for the last few years... I have desperately tried to recreate that Christmas. So, my mum used to do this Polish Christmas called Vigilia. If you don't know what Vigilia is, it's an amazing Christmas. I highly recommend you go to Poland for Christmas if you can. It's uh, essentially, you're not allowed to eat all day. So, you wouldn't be allowed to eat all day. So, you'd like, she'd complain. Do you know, I don't know if your mum does this. she complained that we're not helping her. She'd be, like, complain that nobody helps me. Nobody wants to get involved. Nobody's doing anything. So, you'd come in to help her. And she'd be like, get out of the way. You're ruining everything. So, you're like, oh, I'll just go watch TV then because <laughs> like you don't like any of our input ever she never liked any of it she'd always shoo us out the kitchen and um like we'd be we don't weren't allowed to eat all day and like you'd go to the fridge and be like can i just eat like the fridge is full can i just have something and she'd be like absolutely not get away and you'd be like i'm starving and she'd be like hardly starving I'm like, thanks mate and you weren't allowed to eat all day and she would spend days preparing these 12 dishes and they were these 12 dishes that you would have i think it was to represent the 12 disciples and you have this you set the table when you get your best tablecloth out mate you get your tablecloth out from the cupboard under the stairs so you'd get your tablecloth out and you'd get the best china so you'd get the fancy china fancy knives and forks you know the wedding gifts that they got given You'd get those out and you'd set the table. You'd make it so pretty and you'd save a place for Jesus. No matter how many people sat around the table, you had to save a place for Jesus. Ding dong. Oh, Jesus. Uh, that's what we used to do, right? And it was, um, it was a tradition and it was Christmas Eve. And in the Polish household, in my household growing up, we always had that. So that was our main Christmas. So I know in English Christmas, it's like Brussels sprouts and turkey and all that. And yes, we kind of did that on the Christmas day, but like that wasn't the thing. Like for us, it was the Christmas Eve was the big occasion because you wouldn't eat all day and then you'd set the table and then when the first star would come out, you'd all sit around the table and you would get some wafer, very similar to the stuff that you see in churches, and you would share wafer. And it was such a fun, beautiful tradition and you'd share, and you'd share a wish. So you'd wish wish somebody something for the for the year with this wafer. And I love this tradition and the dishes were borderline, phenom- they were on the border of either phenomenal, There was a, they were either phenomenal or horrific, like those are the dishes, so some of my favourite dishes, I think it's called greco riba, I think I probably said that wrong, it's like Greek fish and it's white fish layered with like onions, carrots, tomato, like <laughs> it sounds gross but it's really nice and it's baked and I love that dish and you'd have like a big fillet of salmon and you'd have like new potatoes and you'd have beetroot soup, so you'd have beetroot soup with half a boiled egg in it, Um, she liked it. Um, and you would have what you'd have herrings, and you'd have little like Polish um oh pierogi like dumplings, um filled with like mushroom. Oh, I am going to be sick just thinking about it. Um, and you'd have all these dishes, and you'd like, have some green veg as well. And you needed twelve dishes. You'd have like some bread as well that had been blessed in the church. My mum would have taken that day, and the food was such an intrinsic part of the routine of the family of the sharing of the gathering. And it's so beautiful, like it's so. Nice. And there was a dish that my mum loved. It was like a poppy seed. (laughs) It's disgusting. It was like a poppy seed mix. So it was poppy seed mix. I want to say it's got like an almond flavor to it. I'm not sure. I've probably got that wrong. And she'd mix it and it would be like a poppy seed cake, but also this poppy seed kind of like thick gunk. And she would eat it by the bucket load. She loved this stuff. And I didn't realize poppy seeds is actually opium. And I swear my mom used to get a bit high when she got that shit from Poland. Like I swear she used to get a bit like, ooh, like she loved that stuff. Like she loved it. And it's the most horrific dish she've ever had. But these traditions are important. Like they mean something. And so when you're coming up to a time where you've done that every day, every year of your life, you've known that to get to years that you don't do that, not by choice, not because you've met somebody, you've moved on, you've got a family of your own, you're building your own traditions, but because somebody's died, you're like, oh, fuck, like this is shit, how do we recreate this? I felt a deep need, in a sense, to want to recreate it because it was important to me. It mattered to me to recreate it. Like, it really mattered to me. And every year I did it. And one of the best years I had, I had with a a boyfriend. And uh, the two of us had it. And it was only the two of us. And it was lovely. It was so lovely. And I think it was lovely because he was very generous and very, like allowed me to do it not that somebody I'd be with somebody that wouldn't be allowed me to do it but took part in it and that meant a lot to me that somebody took part of it that never experienced it didn't know it liked it um I really valued that like I really valued that he cared and he showed up and he was early and he was there and he was present and he enjoyed everything and made the most of it like it means a lot to me that he like that got involved and when you meet people that like want to celebrate it with you like but do it the justice that it deserves like be present be on time it's a very sacred special time like you want it to be sacred and special be open to it like yeah you can say it's disgusting like that's cool but like that's part of the fun be there and um and so for the last six years I've recreated that Christmas and it's been fine like I've managed it but I've every time hated it there's been a part of me that's hated it because I fucked something up because I couldn't get the dish right because I fucked up the mushroom dish because the table didn't look set right because the fingers got cold because I couldn't nail it because I can never emulate what she did ever 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 and every year I would get really upset and every year you has turned around and said to me just stop doing it. Like you don't need to do it anymore. And I was like, I do. How could you possibly say such blasphemous thing? Not do mom's Christmas Eve horrific. Of course I have to do it. Like I have to do it. And um, every year she said that. And this year, I thought actually because I've had such a wonderful year of traveling and feeling different and recognizing recognizing things in my life of what's important to me and and making some changes. And that's why I didn't do a podcast last week. So forgive me. I'm making some life changes. Um, And so I made some decisions and last weekend was a big decision making thing and I've made this big decision um, which I'm going to go ahead with and I'll tell you more about it once it's all confirmed once I've got more information but like I'm making some changes and um, it's nothing coming in, it's just me making changes and trying to navigate to a place of joy, head towards more joy. And so this year I didn't buy a traditional Christmas tree for the first year ever. I've just got my old fake one out. And I used to judge people that have fake trees because i be like, why don't you get a real tree, mate? Like, it's a beautiful to have a real tree. And now I've got a fake tree because actually beautiful trees are beautiful, but I'd prefer them in a pot outside. So she says next year i will be a big, fa- big, fuck off, massive tree. But anyway, for this year. And what I've also done is decided to um, not have Christmas at home this year. Um and not spend loads of money on food and presents and all that and stuff, but instead spend it on an experience. So Yoasha is coming today with her camper van. Uh, she's bringing it up from down south. Um, She's going to park it here with me at my house and next weekend we have decided <laughs> to drive to the middle of but fuck nowhere in Scotland <laughs> to drive to Scotland and have Christmas in the middle of fucking Ben Nevis round there. We're going to go check out Ben Nevis. We're going to go check out Fort William. We're going to check out loads of places. And we're going to have Christmas. Um, We're going to travel up in our camper van. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to stay in a hotel and have like a nice Christmas Day dinner and stuff and do that. But pay someone else to do it and spend our money on that. So we're not having big presents, not having a big thing. We're just going to do that and spend the money on that. And it is going to be different. And I'm actually really excited about it because it's a tradition I've never done before. It's focusing on the most important things, which is spending it with my sister and Bernie and Indy. They're the most important things to me. It's taking control of a situation that I know is going to be sad and make me feel sad and shit. It's taking control of that situation. So I am doing that. And that feels really fucking good. That feels really good. And, like, there's not even any guilt. Like, normally I'd feel guilty that I'm not doing it traditionally, but there's no guilt this year. So I don't know if you can relate to this. I don't know if this is something that you can relate to or or be on board with. But I do think there is something to be said for um, traditions are amazing. There are a reason that they are valuable. There is a reason that our body remembers them. There is a reason that it comes to a certain time of year and we figure things out and we feel certain things. And I think it's important to allow ourselves to feel them and to not allow the judgment of other people of how they process their emotions to reflect on you but rather to give yourself some compassion some empathy and some understanding that it's a difficult time and it's not like if you look around everywhere's like everywhere's banging everywhere's doing well like it's a difficult time for so many people And I think communication is key, and I think there's lots of people in lots of communities that are feeling very isolated, very isolated, very hated, very insular, and actually it's reaching out and going, like, hey, like, I'm here, like, we're here, we're together, we can do this together. Because I think the isolation, there's more polarisation and isolation, and it's causing a lot more damage than it needs, than it needs to, it's very damaging, actually. Um... So that's what I wanted to do today. So today I'm gonna do something really nice. I am gonna go to my, um, I'm gonna go to my mum's grave. Um, I'm gonna buy some beautiful flowers. I always buy her beautiful flowers. I Used to always buy her beautiful bouquet of flowers on her birthday. And last year, like I didn't lay them down at her grave because I was like, these are beautiful flowers, and with all due respect, mate, they were like eighty quid. Like I'm not gonna leave eight quid flowers on a grave. Like I love you, mum, but like you're dead. Like you're not there. So can I just? Well, you are there, but you also might not be there. Like oh, This is a waste of flowers, so I'm going to put them in my house and I'm going to enjoy them. <laughs> so I'm not going to buy any good flowers this year, but I am going to buy a bouquet of flowers and put them in my house. I'm going to enjoy them and enjoy those flowers and think about her because she loved flowers, and that's what we're going to do. So do nice things. Do nice things. Do nice things for yourself. Do nice things. Be with the people that you love, if you can be. And hold out and reach out and recognise that most people, fucking, we all need fucking love, mate. We all need love. We all need love. So happy birthday to my beautiful mother, who was hilarious, by the way. I'm going to share. I, um, I actually filmed the original Politics for Bitches um, many years ago, and I never released it. I never put it online. And I'm going to just share it with you because there's recently with the stuff with the Matt Rife controversy and with Ricky Gervais doing jokes about cancer. And my, I look back at that time in my life, and I always think that my career was on a trajectory, and then it went It just stopped and fucking blew up after she died. But actually the trajectory didn't blow up. What happened was the joy blew up. So my content blew up. I no longer cared for doing vacuous jokes about dating relationships and blowjobs. Like I didn't care for it. I was so angry. I wanted jokes about cancer, euthanasia, politics, equality, fairness, um, uh, safety and and health and dignity and dying. That's the material I wanted to talk about. But that wasn't as mainstream. And I'm so grateful that I was allowed to use comedy as my vehicle to be able to do that because it was phenomenal and beautiful and powerful. And that's what shifted. And I need to kind of reframe my brain of like, that's what shifted. And so I'm going to share because there is a routine that I love that I think is one of the most powerful, beautiful routines that I've ever done, actually. It's very poignant. It's very beautiful. And I'm going to share it on my Facebook, my Instagram, my YouTube. I'll share it on here as well. I think it's a really powerful routine. Um, And it's when my mum's on her deathbed. And it's just indicative of how delicate, how sensitive, how beautiful and how absolutely fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) that woman was so funny like so funny like that's the thing if I think of her I just think of great love and joy but if I think of like loss it's very sad so you know it's just normal isn't it it happens it is what it is we process we keep going we keep going so thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm really excited about coming out on tour next year. I am thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I would love to try and record some of the bitter shows in the different areas and make like a documentary documenting what I'm doing. Um I need funding for it. I don't know how to get funding. I don't know whether to crowdfund again or get people to pre-order like and to do it that way because I found a team that could do it. But... Like everything it costs money but I do think it would be really interesting to document the journey of doing a show called bitter in various places in the country because people in Southampton are going to feel a different level of bitter to people in uh, Sheffield to people in Aberdeen to people in Brighton to people in London to people in Newcastle so There will be many similarities, but also just I know from doing shows, audiences are so special. And so I saw a thing yesterday that there's a a TikToker saying, oh, you can't have different cultures in the US just by my two hour drive. And you're like, mate, you absolutely can. Like each city has its own identity. It's very, very cool. So we'll see. We'll look into that. We will look into that and see if we can make something happen. Um, But thank you for listening. Hope you guys are getting ready for Christmas. Um, Happy birthday to my beautiful mommy and uh, lots of love. And um, yeah, stay safe, stay healthy biggest love and we'll talk again next week yeah sounds like a plan stan okay bye